Tonight I'd like to speak about wise effort, or subtitled, Steering Our Boat. That'll become more clear as the talk goes on. As Christopher mentioned in the opening, I've been living in England, in Totnes, in the south of uh, England. And there's a beautiful estate there called Sharpham Estate, or Sharpham College. It's one of, there's a college there for Buddhist studies at the moment. And on Tuesday nights, they have invited speakers who come and talk about different topics for the public. And a few months ago, there was a speaker who came to talk there who was, I found very inspiring. It was a scientist. And they invite people who have rather holistic views about things. His name was Brian Goodwin, English scientist. And he was speaking about the limitations of the scientific model. And the name of his talk was From Control to Participation. And the talk was very much about sort of science and the limitations of science. But it was so clear to me after the talk that it really was about life, about our life, and how we want to try to control things rather than actually participate in their unfolding. <coughs> I'm not a scientist, but I would just like to give you just a, a little overview on what he was uh, attempting to share with us. Maybe some of you already know, but the definition of science is, and I looked this up in the dictionary because, like I said, I'm not a scientist. Science is the observation, the identification, and investigation of phenomenon in order to measure and make predictions. And we do that to enable us to have some control over our physical world. And therefore, we can do things. We can do things that we weren't able to do previously, like put a man on the moon, or erect skyscrapers, um, build roads, you know, with this, this produce things that haven't been to produced before. But Brian was pointing out that the ways that the scientific methodology was in fact, these ways were in fact incapable of predicting outcomes in most of our systems. The human system, the ecological system, the agricultural systems, but they, the scientists generally proceed as if they can predict these outcomes. And they can't be predicted because most of these processes just can't be measured because there are too many unknown variables. There are too many things that might happen that they just can't predict and they can't know. He used an example of a heartbeat, you know, that we can take our pulse and get an average of our heart rate, but it doesn't necessarily predict what the heart rate's going to be in two hours or five hours because there are so many factors that are unforeseen, like there may be an event that occurs that may trigger some fear and that'll change that rate of heartbeat. Or there, the person might have a high blood pressure condition, which is variable. The heartbeat will change at different times. Or the person might have an allergic reaction to something, and that'll change. These are variables. So all we're really left with 
are these probability estimates for what might happen. We have a, a sense of what might happen, but we can never be sure. Can never be sure. I was so fascinated that here was quite an esteemed scientist who was actually pointing this out, you know, that there's limitations, even in such a um, esteemed model such as science, that we can't actually know, we can't actually predict what's going to happen. So if science is seeing and acknowledging this limitation in control, then what does it really mean for our meditation practice? What does it mean for this human system, the system that, that we are engaged with? What is control and where does it arise from? We might think of control as the expectation of a linear path, of some kind of continuity, that what we set out to do is actually what we're going to get. It's sort of the way the, the mind seems to have it set up because the mind operates in linear ways. The mind is linear. It goes from A to B to C. And we expect some kind of rational linear pathway. And so, so we get into the habit of thinking that we have some control over our experience of what's going to happen and what we can have, what we can get. We hold the assumption that what I set out for is what I'll get. And the problem arises when we don't. <laughs> we don't get what we set out for. And when we don't get it, then we often get caught in the reactive mind. We react. We don't understand. We get frustrated. We get disappointed. We get angry when experience, when situations, when people, ourselves, or whatever it is, doesn't actually turn out the way we'd like, whether it's in the moment or whether it's something more ongoing. Part of us may even know, really, really know that we're not going to get what we want. You know, we may even be wise enough to say, yeah, I know I'm not really going to get what I want. But we still get caught, don't we? We still get caught in that expectation and then feel a disappointment. The control arises out of a fixation, a fixation on a goal based on some personal desire. And it arises from a mindset that usually doesn't have much wisdom to it without a wisdom that knows about the unreliability, the unpredictability of outcomes. We get caught in that. We forget how unreliable things are of this world. And it's without a wisdom that knows about the interconnected nature of all things, that everything is dependent on everything else for its existence. We're, we're operating in a very cohesive system of interrelationship. So we can't really know how everything is going to affect everything else. What are some examples? How I want an, a certain event to turn out. You know, I might have a fantasy about how I imagine something could be. And I know I've done this myself where I've actually tried to recreate the fantasies that I've had in my own mind. You know, 
whether, you know, imagine what kind of clothes I'm going to wear, and what I'm, I'm going to look like, and what I'm going to say to the person, and what the party is going to be like, or whatever it is. We try to recreate those fantasies or some kind of plan that we have and try to bring it into, manif manifest it into reality. How I want someone to be, my partner or my child, employee. How I want myself to be. How I want my meditation to go. You know, we could see it right here already. The expectations we may have, we may have brought, we may have be experiencing about what we thought would happen here. Maybe how we imagined we could actually stay with the breath for more than a minute, more than a half a second. And then the disappointment, the frustration, the agitation that arises when we see the reality, when the, the, the actual outcome of our intentions. But it seems that we need to have, we can't just throw out control. We can't just throw out some kind of intention for direction. It seems that we have to have some framework for what we're doing, some sense of direction for where we're going or what we're setting out to do. We seem to need some kind of aim for where we're going or we can get lost. We can fall into some kind of meaningless passivity without a sense of direction. And we can easily get caught in just repeating old habits again and again, just recycling the old habits that cause us pain or complacency, whatever it is, and not really forge into something new. So a question might propose, how can I let go or surrender the control, that sense of control and tightness, grasping, trying to get things the way I want them. I say control without the wisdom. How can we let go of this control without falling into this passivity, without falling into a sense of meaninglessness? I have a little story that I'd like to tell as an example of this, sort of this, um, something that happened to me that gave me quite a good understanding of this. A few years back, my, uh, when my family lived in Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from, my father had a boat. Rather, this is the steering our boat. This is where the boat comes in. My father had a boat, a 36-foot boat that we took out on the lake and I grew up with. And uh, just they've moved down to Florida now, but just before they moved and we were, still had the boat, my father asked me, to go up on the flybridge and steer the boat. And I've ne I never had done that in, in all the years that we had the boat. I just never thought about actually driving it. So he said, go up and um, steer the boat for a while. And he said, all you have to do is just keep the, look at the compass and keep the needle of the compass on north. Okay. So that seemed pretty easy. We're out in the lake. Going, going pretty fast. And what I realized while I was doing that was that actually you can't keep the needle on north. Maybe some of you know this, who, who know something about this. That really what the task is of the person who's steering the boat 
is that when the boat starts to veer off to the left, which it does quite naturally, what I needed to do was then bring the boat back to north. And then when the boat started veering off to the right, what I needed to do was just bring the boat back to north. And that's all I had to do. I could not keep the boat fixed on the direction that I was told to go in because the natural law of this particular object was that it moved. It had variation. It moved from one direction to the next direction. It didn't stay on course. But all I had to do as the person who was in charge was just keep bringing it back. What a wonderful metaphor. You know, here I'd been practicing for years. My teachers always said, just bring the breath back, just bring the breath back. That it will go off, the, breath, the attention will go off the breath a hundred times, just bring it back. It's no big deal. And what I saw while I was steering this boat was that I couldn't have kept it on track. It was very, it really went in that, that actually to really understand what I'm supposed to be doing, it is just bringing it back, bringing it back. This was very important for me, just giving me a sense of my task, not just in terms of driving the boat, but perhaps what I'm supposed to do as I move through life. Not just stay on track, stay on course, but to notice when I'm veering off when I'm veering off my course of direction, my course that I've set out for myself. It reminds me of um, a story that, that I, I always think of when I talk about this movement of life in its, in its actuality. Manindraji, one of our teachers from Calcutta, India, uh, came to America, one of his visits in his early visits in the 80s, and he went, to, the, his uh, friends took him to a circus. And at the circus, there was an elephant on a tightrope. And he, and, and this elephant, it really was, I mean, it really was an elephant on a tightrope. <laughs> <laughs> and this elephant, in order to walk along the rope, obviously just kept leaning one way and then leaning the other way and leaning the other way and walked across the rope. And, and Manindraji came back. He was all delighted, all excited. And he said, oh, you know, meditation practice is just like the elephant on the tightrope. You know, when it leans one way, you just bring it back the other way. When it leans to too far one way, then you bring it back the other way. And he said, that's it. That was all of it. And it seemed that that was... You know, as I, as I take this in more and more, that seems to be the way it is. But yet we need to actually have some course for ourselves so we know where to come back to. We need to have some reference point so we know where to return to, some map. As I was going across those open waters, those vast open waters, didn't see any land one way or the other, I needed to have a map. In this case, it was charted for north. Just keep the needle on north. We need to have that. We can't just do nothing. We can't do nothing at all. In fact, in using this metaphor, that if I didn't 
charter the boat, if I didn't keep the needle on the no on north, if I just kind of sat back and said, oh, just let it happen, you know, just let, let it take its own course, you know, it's okay, it, life will take over. But actually what happens is the boat then starts, once it starts veering in one direction, like to, to the left, if I don't bring it back, it just keeps going to the left, and it keeps going to the left, and it'll just start going in circles. It just goes in circles and spins out and then goes into chaos. <laughs> I just think that's so interesting for, <laughs> for ourselves, because if we don't stay on track, we just go in circles and we fall into chaos. There was a woman today in one of the groups who was actually spontaneously using the same metaphor of the boat and uh, for her own practice, and she was saying that for her and her practice right now, it's as if she just launched herself out to sea, and she had no idea where she was, and she felt she was in this vortex, and just in this, she's she let go, let go into the unknown, and just feels in this vortex. She said, I don't know where I am. <coughs> and what we spoke about was the need for some kind of reference point, and in this case, the practice, having some kind of reference point to return <coughs> back to so that we do know where we are. And this is the value of the, of the resources that we're using here. We have the breath. In any moment of sense of, of having launched too far and feeling a bit lost or chaotic, we just come back to the breath wherever we are whether we're here on retreat or we're in a difficult situation or walking down the street and we feel spaced out or whatever, we use that reference point. We come back. We feel where we are. We can feel our feet on the ground. This is our reference point. It gives us a sense of placement of where we are. It's like our North Star. Just feel that breath. Feel the feet on the ground. Feel the body. We know where we are. This is really so vitally important in practice so we don't have that sense of kind of being lost or spaced out or launched into the unknown because at any moment we can feel a sense of where we are. This is the intention, the intention to stay on track, the intention to come back, the intention to stay on our course, but having the intention, knowing that we cannot fix the position. We have the intention to come back to the breath, but we can't fix that position because there's nothing that is static in the universe. Nothing is stuck in the universe. Everything is pulsating, moving, vibrating. It's alive. We can't stick anything, fix anything but we act as if we can. <laughs> the, mind gets, the mind gets stuck. <laughs> That's what gets stuck. The mind gets fixated, but nothing can stay fixated in this universe. There are too many contingencies. There are too many unknown variables, unexpected variables that 
that can arise at any moment. For example, we, the boat, in the boat we might run out of fuel. I'm keeping the, the compass on course, we run out of fuel. Not going to go where I thought I was going to go. Or the compass might break, or some part of the boat might break down. Not going to go where I thought I was going to go. Might run into bad weather. So many things can happen that stop our journey, stop the direction that we're going in. So therefore, we need to let go. We need to let go. And I think this is a part of a teaching that doesn't get enough airtime in the mainstream. Letting go. We're very good, the society, this culture has got very good at intention and going for what we want and sort of fixating on that result not so good at the letting go part. <laughs> Not so good at letting go of our picture. Letting go of our expected outcome. So we still have the intention, and then we let go. We let go. Because when we're not fixated on our result, then we're less likely to fall into reactive mind states. We're less likely to fall into frustration and disappointment and anger. We're less likely to get caught in those mind states. Failure, shame, feeling sorry for ourselves. In fact, the whole idea of failure sort of dissolves. It dissipates because we're not so caught in those ideas of success and failure and what has to happen, not so fixated on all that, but more of that sense of having the intention for something to happen and then letting go, letting go of our grasp of that result. And with that letting go, it does give us more clarity to deal skillfully with the situation at hand. But the letting go doesn't mean doing nothing. And I think sometimes this gets confused in the spiritual traditions, that we need to let go of everything and give it over to the divine, sort of divine intervention. But I think sometimes that goes a little bit too far. St. Augustine said, God provides the wind, but man must raise the sails. We have to participate in the unfolding. If we do nothing, we go in circles. We get caught in the repetition of the old and often the pain that that brings us. So something has to change. Something has to change to break that cycle, the cycle of our habits and often our destructive habits. My flatmate, who's involved in some workshops, doing quite a lot of work on himself in this regard right now, he has this phrase that he says a lot. He says, um, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. You know? If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So it seems we have to do something differently. Intention for transformation is necessary. We 
have to feel into, we have to, to know that intention for our own transformation, to be connected with a sense of our own purpose, to be going in a meaningful direction, have some sense of that for ourselves. And then it's possible to make wiser choices because we know what we're actually making the choices for. We have some sense of what we're aiming at for ourselves. Intention. Intention is considered in Buddhist psychology, it's a mental factor. Intention is a mental factor that arises in every moment of experience. It arises in every moment of experience. And it's a factor of mind which leads the mind to turn towards or be repelled from various objects of awareness. It's the force of mind which directs the mind to proceed in any particular direction. It's a force in the mind that directs us. And it is this force that ultimately determines the states that we experience in the mind. It's a very important piece. This is what will determine the states of mind that we experience in ourselves. Because whatever the way, whatever way the mind is moving is what's going to determine the nature of our reality. So if the mind is moving towards happiness, peace, and creativity, that's more of what we're going to experience. If the mind is moving towards conflict, towards anger, towards passivity, that's more of what we're going to experience. And so one of the eightfold noble, one of the factors on the eightfold noble path is wise intention. Wise intention. The Buddha named this as one of the important factors. Wise intention means intention with wisdom. Intention with wisdom. It means the mind turned toward that which is wholesome. The mind that's turned towards that which is wholesome and brings about wholesome results. An example would be what was required for you to get here on the retreat. The intentions that needed to arise that you needed to follow through with to actually get yourself here. It's a wholesome intention for your own happiness, for the happiness of others, for your own well-being, for the well-being of others. <coughs> and then there's the intention to stay on the retreat. <laughs> it's not just the getting here, then it's the staying here. And then it's that moment to moment to moment intention of watching how the mind moves, where the mind's inclining and working with the mind to bring it back in a way that serves, in, the, in a way that is going to serve us. These teachings that we're involved with here do lay down a map. They lay down a map. The, the instructions are there for cultivating and strengthening these wholesome intentions. That might be summed up saying the intention to live in a non-harming, compassionate way towards all beings including ourselves. The beautiful intention. The beautiful intention. Wholesome intention, wise intention. But it must be pointed out that there are also intentions 
that are void of wisdom. We have to remember that. They're intentions that are void of wisdom. And as we all know, these intentions can lead to very destructive activity, destructive, destructive habits. So we really need to be careful where we direct our energies, where we direct our intentions. Because intention has great power, and it has the power to attract the object that we're aiming at. The Buddha said, this is a quote from the Buddha, do not overlook actions merely because they are small. However small a spark may be, it can burn down a haystack as big as a mountain. So all of our actions, moment to moment to moment, have great power. And the intention is the active element that keeps us connected to what's important for us again and again. Once we are able to, to have some clarity, as Christopher was talking about last night, about what's important to us, and to have some clarity about what is important to us, then we can take the necessary action and move towards our goal. And this intention and having a sense of what we're aiming at allows us to start again and again when we fall, when we fall off track. We start leaning too far to the left or we lean too far to the right. We start falling into the extremes. We know where we're coming back to. Just as intention is important, so is the letting go. They go together, intention and letting go. This has been a very important teaching for me in understanding how to live, really, how to live in a somewhat balanced way in my life. The intention and the letting go are really two sides of the same coin. They both arise in every moment, the intention and the letting go, intention and letting go, intending for something to happen and letting go of whether it happens or not. <laughs> Aiming, and then we see what happens. This relationship really needs to be understood or we are likely to get caught in extremes, one extreme or the other. Too much emphasis on intention, action, result, and not enough emphasis on the letting go, it leads to taking too much responsibility for things. There's a sense that it's all up to me. And it can really strengthen this sense of I want, I want, I am, I'm, I can have what I want. It really solidifies the sense of that. I have to make it happen. It's my responsibility how things work out. And then when it doesn't, that sense of pity, life just isn't going my way. And we get kind of wrapped up in that whole sense of self and the self that's involved in making things happen. And this leads to the sense of failure, confusion, dis disappointment, depression. And then that need to keep asserting ourselves and asserting ourselves and trying to get things to happen. And they're not just not happening. And why aren't they happening? And that whole spiral we get into, too much emphasis on the intention, 
not enough on letting go. And when there's too much emphasis on intention, action, and result, it keeps reinforcing the idea that happiness is found in getting what we want. That if I can just get everything lined up and get it just right to get that result I want, then I'm really going to be happy. And it keeps reinforcing the idea that happiness is somewhere out there. Just get it right. And when we make that result, the most important thing, we miss this moment. We miss this moment, the beauty of this moment, the completeness, the wholeness of this moment. And we miss the participation in this moment. We're not just falling into the future where that happiness is going to be found. This concern for how things will be in the future undermines the happiness that is available to us right now. On the other hand, if there's too much emphasis on letting go and surrender, if we fall too much into that extreme and there's not enough emphasis on intention, what happens is that we sort of wait for things to happen. We get into kind of a waiting mode. Well, I'm waiting for that to happen, or that'll happen someday. And we, we lack the responsibility. We lack responsibility for actions, and we can very easily fall into a sense of victim. Oh, it's just not happening to me. You know, I don't know why. Life just isn't going my way. We just kind of wonder why things aren't coming together. And we can fall into confusion, why we find ourselves falling into the same painful habits again and again. And we can feel this sense of meaninglessness, lack of direction, sort of a passivity, depression from this lack of energy that can build up the more that we fall into this extreme. It can have a momentum of its own, just feeling more and more listless and depressed. The Buddha teaches the middle way between these two extremes, intending for something to happen and letting go of the result. Letting go whether it happens or not. We take the responsibility and then we let go. The only time I've ever been in Las Vegas is when I was going to San Francisco. I was heading for San Francisco, and that evening I found myself in Las Vegas because the plane couldn't make it to San Francisco. And I actually was given a hotel, and I was in a casino, <laughs> and I had the night there, and it was like, oh, <laughs> this is interesting. I never really wanted to go to Las Vegas. and. Um, there I was, no intention, had my clear intention to land where I wanted to land, and there I was. That's all right. <laughs> it's just how it is. You don't know where you're going to wind up. My father, before he died, he had one dream to go to Israel, and he had, they, my mother and father 
planned out this trip. They took a, a cruise across the Atlantic, and the boat got to just outside of the port of Israel. And because there was some terror, terrorists, some difficulty happening uh, in the country just at that time, the boat couldn't land at dock. And so he didn't go to Israel. <laughs> and he's that close, that close. Had to let go. And this is where the wisdom comes in. Because we can get angry and mad and fight, and, but we can't necessarily have it the way we want to have it. We do what we can, and then we let go. And how much we're attached or invested in that result determines how much we suffer. The level of investment in the result determines how much we're going to suffer. We have a lot of investment, we suffer a lot. We have little investment, we suffer a little. We have no investment, we don't suffer. <laughs> That's how it works. We're not acting alone. We're just not acting alone. We're, we're, we're not in this by ourselves. There's just so many flat factors influencing in every moment. And even the most brilliant scientists are realizing their limitation at controlling our universe with all of their resources. What does this say for us? <laughs> I mean, can we really control things? It seems that our task really is just to be clear about our commitment and then pay attention. Pay attention to how we might be falling into these extremes, holding on too tightly to what we want, or letting go too much, giving it over to somebody else, just not even really participating. We can see how this affects our meditation here. You know, how, how, how are the, where, where are the ways that you may be holding on? may not be letting go of what you want to have happen here. You intend for the attention to rest with the breath. What's your relationship to that when it doesn't happen? Is there some pain, some suffering, some frustration in that? You intend to do your yogi jobs mindfully, you know, maybe chop vegetables mindfully. And you just nick your finger, you cut your finger. Do you criticize yourself, condemn yourself, get angry at yourself? Just things happen. You feel agitated and you don't want to sit. You don't want to sit with that discomfort. You sit anyway and just let go of your expectation of what might happen if you actually sit with that agitation. Intend to go to sleep, sleep doesn't come. You know, that happens a lot on retreat. You really want sleep to come. <laughs> You're sleeping all day. <laughs> and then you go to bed at night, you really want to go to sleep, and then you can't sleep. You have all this energy. <laughs> then what do you do? You have to let go. 
We let go. We do the best we can with what is being offered in each moment. Not to get too fixated. To use wise discrimination in each moment to see if we're getting caught in some way. Too much striving, too much letting go, too much passivity. The Buddha uses the uh, parable of the lute that's often used to talk about this. And we've changed the lute to guitar. <laughs> it's just like fine-tuning the, the strings on the guitar. If the strings are too loose, you don't get a good sound. If the strings are too tight, you don't get, get a good sound. So you have to listen very carefully. Just listen to the tune, listen to the tone, so you get it just right. Not too tight, not too loose. And then you can hear the music, and hear the symphony, the beauty that's playing in each moment. If our aim is to awaken to our true nature, it's not going to happen just by sitting back and doing nothing. Our habits are too strong. Our habits of mind are just too strong. So it seems that, and the Buddha really speaks about, the need for persistence, determination, discipline, discipline, engagement, participation. But another important factor is the letting go. These are the teachings of letting go the teachings of non-clinging. All of that is important. So we use this time to quiet down, to quiet down and to listen. It provides a great opportunity for us to listen, to listen into our own heart and find that which is important for us. When we can remove the layers of clutter that build up over time, and then listen deeply to our heart. And with that clarity, we can strengthen our resolve, strengthen our intention for what's important and what's wholesome, what's good, what's good for us, what's good for others. And then we can set about a plan and take the necessary action that we need to take. And then we let, can let go. We can let go. Practice the letting go. This is the middle way. Let's sit quietly for a few minutes.
May all beings live with wisdom. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings live with the wisdom of letting go. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.